Welcome to The Good Lawyer. This is a 2022 copyrighted podcast of the Young Lawyers Division of the State Bar of Georgia, where we discuss what makes a good lawyer. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. I'm your new host, attorney Sarah Young. And today on the show, we are very excited to have Harold Daniel Jr. of Harold Daniel Law, LLC. Hi, Harold, and welcome to The Good Lawyer. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice of law. Well, I started the practice of law back before you were born, uh, about uh, 50 years ago in Atlanta. I have practiced in a small firm, up to 12 lawyers. I practiced in an international law firm that had, uh, oh gosh, uh, well over 1,000 lawyers. When I started the practice of law, practice was was more general than it is now, not as specialized as now. And the first uh, 10 years or so that I practiced law, I handled all sorts of matters, mostly civil, but I formed and dissolved corporations. I handled securities. I did tax matters. Uh, I even had some criminal matters, including a jury trial of a young man who was indicted for murder. But as time went on, the uh, the firm became more specialized, although it was a small firm at the time, because that was the trend in not only Atlanta, but, but throughout the nation. And in, in most of my practice, I have concentrated on civil uh, business litigation. Uh, in early days, I handled other kinds of litigation, civil litigation, including personal injury cases, both plaintiffs and defendants. But, uh, but in, in recent years, uh, in the more recent years, the last uh, 30 or 40, I've really concentrated on really complex business litigation. You have seen almost every area of law, and in light of that, what to you is a good lawyer? Well, the the good lawyers I have known have been hard workers. Litigation is hard. Litigation is hard. It's demanding both physically and, and mentally. And the key to success in litigation is preparation. You've got to prepare. Uh, you've got to uh, to do your homework. I expect to try a jury trial next month, and I am, am about to go into the uh, final 30 days before the jury trial, which is, uh, is I think, for all lawyers, uh, you know, uh, should be a very difficult time because that's the time you're trying to, to make sure that you're ready uh, for trial. And, and I use, um, in my preparation for a jury trial, an old-fashioned trial notebook. Now, I'm, I can use the computer. Uh, and, and, and I rely on my iPhone just as much as anyone. But when it comes to trying a case, I like to have a notebook and actually have things in that notebook because I found that invariably in any trial, you're going to have things come up you did not expect. There's something comforting about having a book you can grab and hoping there's something in it that you can pull out in those difficult times. So, uh, while I use, um, the computer and I use my iPhone freely for, for real trial preparation. I use an old fashioned notebook and the notebook. And in, in this case, will have a section on the motions in limine. It'll have a section for you know, legal memos uh, and, 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 and cases that I think uh, will be uh, likely to, to uh, come up. Uh, it will have a section on uh, the voir dire questions. You know, the questions asked the jury when they're being qualified. It will have a section on my opening statement. I always draft an opening statement in advance. I don't, I don't read it, but I want to, I want to make sure that I 
have everything covered and, and, and that I don't uh, leave something out. And then I'll have outlines of direct examination of witnesses that I plan to call. I'll have examine, uh, outlines of, of examination of uh, for cross-examination, you know, of witnesses on the other side. And particularly in, in cases um, where there are depositions that are important, I extract from the depositions the pages that I think will be most important so that I don't have to fumble through and find them in the courtroom, you know, from the full transcript. And so that's those are the things that automatically in my trial notebook, I don't prepare the closing argument in advance. Uh, uh, that's something you have to do, I think, toward the end of trial. And of course, the, this, uh, you know, this notebook uh, is something that will be refined as, as, as I get closer to, to trial and it will change form in, in some ways and, and will be added to and subtracted from in many ways. And, and then the next thing, of course, to, to prepare for trial, you, you need to prepare your witnesses. And this is very, very important to spend time with them and, and, and to make sure that they're comfortable with the process. You know, you never know exactly what a witness is going to say. You can spend hours and hours with a witness and uh, and think that you know exactly what the witness is going to say and that at trial he or she will come up with something uh, uh, that surprises you. And I've had some uh, I've had some experiences there that have taught me that witness preparation is, is is key. I develop a timeline for events. I think it's very important to have a chronology. You know, it may be that uh, the timeline uh, does not have every date that it could, but you need to have the key ones, the ones that matter. In fact, the, the problem with most timelines is they're too detailed, and you need to make sure that you have the important dates and not necessarily every uh, every day. And documents are the key to success in any litigation because, you know, a witness can forget, a witness can change his or her mind or testimony, but documents um, stand for themselves and, uh, and keep you can keep the witness, uh, you know, uh, close to, to, to what really uh, happened. And you have to expect the, the unexpected. Uh, you don't take anything for granted. When I have a new client and I'm about to take on a new matter, I always assume the client does not know everything that I will need to know because no one can. I mean, you know, the client has his or her view of the situation, but, but it, it's, it's not possible to know. Uh, everything. And, and sometimes clients can be wrong. They can be mistaken. They can have a view and it turns out to be incorrect. Or it can be a client doesn't tell you everything. You know, the, the client may tell you most everything, but they hold some things back. And then, unfortunately, there are some clients who, who uh, don't tell you the truth. And you have to be prepared for that possibility as well. I enjoy the practice of law. I like working with clients, and I think the the main reason that I enjoy the practice of law is that really a lawyer solves problems for uh, his or her clients. It doesn't matter what area of practice you're in, a lawyer is a problem solver because no one comes to a lawyer and pays that lawyer money if he or she does not have a problem. And your your goal as a lawyer is to take on that problem. You're not the client. You're not uh, wearing the client's shoes, but you're in effect uh, walking in, in the client's footsteps. And, and your objective is to get the client to a better position than he or she is in when the client walks in the door.
and so I think that that is a um, in effect a service, and I and I do uh, like problem solving. Many of these cases that I've handled um, almost involve detective work. You um, you have to uh, find out what the facts are, and you have to find out who knows what and 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 what happened when. And again, very often when your client walks in the door on day one, he or she doesn't really know all of the facts, and it's up to you to to uh, discover them. And then the trial itself is an interesting experience because um, it's almost like a theatrical production, if you think about it. When a lawyer puts on a case in court, it's almost like a play or theatrical production. The witnesses, in effect, are actors. The lawyers, to some extent, are actors. And you, you have your different roles, and, and uh, but you've got to stage the production and make it come off in an effective way uh, so that at the end, the judge or the jury understands it and, and sees the case um, clearly and, and you hope uh, identifies with your side and gives you a win. So that summarizes you know, what I do and, and why I do it. And um, I would say that, again, I think to be a lawyer is, uh, and, and, and handling uh, litigation is, uh, is an exciting and challenging way uh, to make a living. At times, it's almost like, not like work. And that's always a good thing if work doesn't feel like work. You discussed a lot about how being prepared makes a good lawyer. And part of being prepared and learning how to be prepared is learning from mentors. Did any mentors play a role in you becoming a lawyer or your practice of law that helped you learn how to be prepared or any of the strategies that you shared today? Yes, definitely. I had mentors and, and uh, I would not be where I am today without them. And I think I have had the honor of being a mentor uh, for other lawyers. My real advice, my first word of advice for any young lawyer is to choose your own mentor. You know, some law firms, large law firms will assign someone and say, well, you know, Sarah or Joe or whatever will be your mentor. And that it reminds me of what happened to me in college when I was at Emory. Uh, for a time, I was a philosophy major, and they assigned me a mentor. And I had some issue one time, and I went in to see him, and, and I didn't get much help. <laughs> Let's put it that way. He was a very nice man. He was a very uh, knowledgeable in his field, but he was not very helpful to me in the problems I had at the moment. And what I discovered then and what I think is a good rule to follow in general, is that you need to select your own mentor. And if you're in a law firm or any kind of organization, I think the way to do that is to is to look and to dis- and, and to find the lawyer who is the lawyer you'd like to be in five or ten or fifteen years. And then, if you can, find a way to work with him or her. And by the way, most um, busy lawyers are glad to have office of assistance. And so usually you can figure this out. In my case, my number one mentor was a a brilliant lawyer. He was one of the best lawyers in the courtroom I've ever seen, but he was a little bit hard to approach. I um, wanted to work with him. I wanted to learn from him, but I kept getting shuttled to these other lawyers and they were good lawyers too, but, but I was not getting the assignments I wanted. One day at lunch with this lawyer whom I wanted to um, work with, I learned that he on weekends about once every three or four months would go hiking on the Appalachian Trail. 
And so I volunteered to him that I was an Eagle Scout. And I said, you know, I'd like to go with you sometime on one of those hikes on the Appalachian Trail. And a couple of months later, he called me and told me that he was going to North Carolina for a couple of days to hike on the trail and invited me to go. And that is where uh, our relationship really began, because it turned out everyone else who was supposed to go cancel it, just him and me. It was a particularly difficult hike. We had a lot of snow and everything. But after that, I found that I had multiple opportunities to work with this lawyer, and I learned more from him than I could ever tell you. That is an amazing way to find your mentor. You met him where he was and where he enjoyed being in real life and connected that way. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much to our guest, Harold Daniel Jr. And as always, we appreciate everyone listening to The Good Lawyer. If you do enjoy the show, please remember to rate and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back for our next episode. Until then, this has been Sarah Young. This podcast was created by the Young Lawyers Division of the State Bar of Georgia. It was produced, recorded, and edited by Jamie Goss. Special thanks to Ron Daniels and D. Sarah Young. Follow the YLD on social media at Georgia YLD. Call in with questions on the podcast at 404-526-8607.